We're in chapter 16, and we left off where we saw something kind of puzzling. The chapter opens up where God tells Shmuel, fill your horn with oil, go to Jesse from Bethlehem, for I have seen a king among his sons. And God says it in an interesting way. He says, I see among his sons a king for me, Li Melech. So we saw the perush for me, meaning that unlike Saul, who didn't listen to me, you're going to choose a king that's for me, Li Melech. He heeds my commandments. But another possibility is that when Hashem is saying, that I saw for me a king, Hashem means for me, for me he's good. For me, he's befitting to be a king, but not for you. And that's what happens. Shmuel comes to Bethlehem. He calls Yishai and his sons for a sacrifice. And one by one, seven of Yishai's sons pass before Shmuel and Hashem rejects them one by one. No, this one isn't it. Next batter, no, that's not it. Next batter, no, he isn't it either. As the verse says, the Lord has not chosen these. Now, the big question is, why did not Yishai bring out David? A tzaddik like Yishai, he isn't lax in his performance of the commandments. And this is a huge one. The selection of Hashem's anointed towards all the eyes of the nation will be raised. For sure, Shmuel made it clear to Yishai that he's got to bring all his sons. And even after seven sons were passed before Shmuel and weren't chosen, Yishai at that point, he should have said, oh, I have another kid. Yishai should have said on his own, oh, wait, I have another son. He's out of the field. Let's bring him out. But Yishai still didn't think about bringing him out before Shmuel, nor did his sons think to do it. And they knew that the word of the Lord had to be fulfilled. They knew that Shmuel's not leaving there without anointing a king. It was only after Shmuel said to Yishai, Tama Banim, is that all the sons? And even then Yishai didn't apologize or send for David right away. Instead, he tries to change the conversation. He says, oh, they still left a katan, a little one or a young one. What do you mean young? David was 29 years old at that point. And Yishai says, he's out in the fields. Why did Yishai have to say that? Just bring him out. What difference does it make that he's out in the field, that he's katan? And Yishai still doesn't say, okay, I'll bring him out. From Yishai's point of view, David's not even a consideration. He's telling Shmuel, let's dine. The table is set. It's only when Shmuel says back to him, go and fetch him, because we're not going to sit down and dine until he comes here. And only then David is brought before Shmuel. So what's going on here? Why is David such muksa, such an outcast in his own family? And it all begins from David's origins. He is a descendant of Ruth the Moabite. Now we know Ruth converted, but there was a raging machloket if a woman Moabite is allowed to convert. And the tradition wasn't widely known since it wasn't something that came up often. How many feel Moabites are converting? So you don't have a strong tradition for that. You can only have a tradition for something that's fairly common. Now the verse says clearly in the book of Deuteronomy, Lo yavo Moavi va'amoni Hashem, that a Moavite and an Ammonite cannot enter the congregation of the Lord, meaning they cannot convert to Judaism. But the sages were pasking at that time that this prohibition includes only the males, but not the females. That is, the females can convert, which would make Ruth a kosher Jew. But still, like we said, there was no strong masoret for it. Before Ruth, there was never a single Moabite woman who ever wanted to convert. So again, the issue never came up. And only in the generation of Ruth and Boaz was this question aroused. And the sages clarified the halacha, Amoni velo Amonit, an Ammonite and not an Ammonitis. Moavi velo Moavit, a Moavite Ananamoavitis, that is the women are excluded from this prohibition and they can convert. That is this prohibition applies to males only and not the women. But people were asking, when does the Torah make a distinction between males and females? 
when it mentions the Edomites and the Egyptians and Mamzerim, the Torah doesn't make a distinction between men and women. And now for Ammonites and Moabites, we're making this distinction. The prohibition applies to the males and not the females. That's not consistent with everything else. Why should the Moabites and Ammonites be different than the Egyptians and the Edomites, etc.? So as the generations passed, the sages, they became doubtful in the matter. That's why David says in Psalm 69, verse 12, They who speak at the gates talk of me. What does that mean, they who speak at the gates talk about me? That even though the halacha, that a female Moabite can convert... It had been stated three generations earlier, they were still deliberating in the matter. That's why it says in Psalms, those who speak at the gates, that's the Sanhedrin, the Beitin, who are deliberating in the matter, maybe the Beitin made a mistake. And what compounded the problem and caused more confusion is that whoever married a Moavite woman ended up dropping dead. Machlon who married Ruth, Kilion who married Orpah, Boaz himself died after marrying Ruth. So you have this raging machloket if Ruth's conversion to Judaism is kosher or not. Now, if Ruth isn't a Jewess because of her Moavite origins, that would disqualify Yishai as well. Yishai, of course, is the grandson of Ruth. It says in the end of the book of Ruth that Boaz and Ruth had a son. His name was Oved, who had a son named Jesse, who had a son named David. So yeah, Yishai also has this problem. And it says in our sacred books that Yishai, in his old age, became doubtful of his halachic status. And because he was super righteous and didn't want to even have the slightest taint of sin, and he knew the halacha was dubious, it wasn't clear, and he knew he may not be a legitimate Jew coming from Ruth, and he may be prohibited from entering the congregation of the Lord, as the verse says. And he's thinking, how can I, a Moabite, live together with my wife, who's a legitimate Bat Yisrael? She's a genuine daughter of Israel. Now, he already had six sons and two daughters at this point. But apparently, this whole matter got to him, and he felt that he may be living in sin. So to rectify the sin, he thought the only thing he could do is to separate himself from his wife. He didn't give her a get. They didn't divorce totally, because he still wasn't sure. But he remained separated from her for many years. Now, after several years of separation, he took a Canaanite maidservant who had been part of his household, and he said he would like to be together with her. Why does he need to be with her? Well, it could be that he simply lusted after her. That's what some say. And another thing, which doesn't contradict, that being a righteous person, he knows he should still be participating in Puravu, be fruitful and multiply. And so he asks her if he can be together with her intimately. Now, Yishai's wife, she was very pure and righteous. And by the way, here's a great trivia question. What was the name of Yishai's wife? That is, what was the name of David's mother? Her name was Nitzavit. That's something you just see in the Midrashim. The name of his mother was Nitzavit. And she was suffering from the fact that her righteous husband had separated from her. So the maidservant, who knew her well, saw her pain and said to her, listen, do with me as Leah did with his sister Rachel. And you know what that means. On Yaakov's wedding night, he was supposed to be together with Rachel, but he was actually with Leah because they had switched it up. And that's what happened here. When Yishai thought he was together with his maidservant, he was actually with his wife who had taken her place. But Yishai didn't know. And after three months, the son saw that their mother was pregnant. And they said to their father Yishai, look, our mother has committed adultery. She's a harlot. Let's kill her and the unborn baby that's inside her. Remember, Yishai did not give his wife a get. They were just separated. So that means she was still officially married to Yishai. And if she's pregnant... That means she strayed and committed adultery. That's Eshetish. And that makes her child a mamzer. Anyway, Yishai said to his sons, No, let her give birth and let that child be abhorred. Let him be a servant to you. So after all that, now we see why David was outside and not invited to this party. 
The family thinks he's a mobzer, an illegitimate child born out of wedlock. That's what they thought. And David's situation is referred to a whole bunch throughout the book of Psalms. If you go to Psalms 69, for instance, it says, Muzar I was estranged from my own family, meaning that they considered me a mamzer. Nochri labeni me, a stranger to the children of my mother. That is, they suspected my mother of harlotry. And the word used is muzar, muzar which really doesn't mean I was a stranger to my brothers, but muzar means strange. I was estranged from my brothers. I was muzar, I was weird, I was strange. And another example in Psalms 27, David says, My mother and father forsook me and the Lord collected me. And then you have that famous verse in Psalms, which we say during the Hallel prayer, The stone which was rejected by the builders, that stone became the foundation stone or the cornerstone. And it's not just in Psalms, but David's dubious lineage is referred to in the book of Shmuel too. We'll see between the lines how King Saul, how Shimi ben Gera, how Dorgedomi will try to disparage David and delegitimize him by pointing out his Moabite lineage. So that's the background on David before he's even presented to Shmuel, somebody who suffered great shame. And it wasn't just from his family. The people didn't know why David was kept at a distance from his household. So they began to imagine all kinds of things about him. And they started to pile on with their own accusations. They figure they're doing good by Yishai by dishonoring David. They're thinking, if he's hated by those who know him closely, we certainly have the right to do so. And so David was really kept at a distance from his home, isolated from Am Yisrael. And as a result of all that, he turns to Hashem in the wilderness. And he probably wrote his best Psalms during those days in his hit Bodedut out there in the fields. So now we know who David is the mightiest of kings, the most pious of the tzaddikim, the most humble Jew, maybe the most famous Jew ever after Moses. With all that, no one suffered as much as he did. And it started from his very birth. And that's why he says in Psalms, Rabu roshi More than the hairs of my head are those who hate me for nothing. So again, this is the David who was about to face Shmuel in our next verse. And we'll look at that meeting in our next year.